Hello and welcome, folks, to another edition of RSF Radio. I'm your host, Joe Monday, and this is the podcast where we talk about what's been going on on the front page of our Street Fighter. But today, very special guest to talk about some issues that might have been happening over the last couple months or so, something that I promised you guys that I wanted to have a professional on, and so I reached out to the community and I got a professional. And today I'm joined by Morgan, a.k.a. Fog E on Twitter, uh, who has a PhD in psychology. So welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. Uh, one question before we start. Actually, no, fuck that. Uh, not going to start with a question, because that, that's not how I typically start. Let's get back mm-hmm. to the basics here. So whenever I have a, a new person on, uh, I always like to leave some space at the beginning of the show to say, if you have anything going on right now that you want to pitch, anything that you specifically want people to go after, uh, maybe like fo- how to follow you on Twitter or what else you do, now's the time to pitch it. Oh, wow, pluggables. Yeah, you um, do that at the I, start of the show because when people stop listening at the end of the show, they can't avoid this start chunk. They have uh, to listen to it. That's so smart. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. It's probably in the show notes and also on Twitch at uh, fog underscore E. I've heard that pronounced so many different ways over the years. And um, I am part of the collective known as Yace. So if you want to engage with our lifestyle brand, you can find our info at uh, yace.world, which is my favorite URL. That is a pretty good URL. I actually didn't realize that there was a URL for that. And mm-hmm. I think that leads into, because I've been wanting to, add, it's something that I see on twitter.com a lot. There's a lot of people out there with that that Yace in front of their name. And I wonder, what is what does this mean? I've never had the courage to ask, but now... I have the perfect opportunity. What is so? What explain this? Um, what is, what is Yace? So Yace, I'll give you the, the actual serious answer for this one. Yace started off as really just a Google Hangout with myself and a couple of my friends, where we'd hang out and partake of adult beverages and play Third Strike. And uh, then that sort of grew. We did the irony too hard because then people kept asking us what Yace is, and we're like, right. well, what if we, what if we sold merch? And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now we have shirts and like stickers and stuff and it's actually kind of weird for me now because i'll go to events and this thing that years ago was like a weird in joke has become like an actual thing that people want to like buy merch from i actually <laughs> love that the joke got too out of hand that's kind of i mean I'm, I'm on brand with i i agree with that decision something that like is like something small and personal and you're like hey but what if we did this and then it's like oh we have overhead now <laughs> yeah, it was weird because like th- when we first started selling merch, we were kind of sitting there like, oh, we'll just do this as like, this will be the irony. We're just doing the irony, right, on the internet. And that's like, oh no, like what do we do with with money now? Like how do we handle this? And, yeah, um, wait a minute, whose money is this? Does anybody know? Yeah, and then it's like, we need, we need to like sort these things out. So um, yeah, that's that's the serious answer. And um, what does Yay stand for? Um, I, I believe the official position, I'll have to consult our Swagger CEO, David XCR. But I believe that we still are the position that all interpretations are canonical. I'm personally a fan of uh, You Are Super Excellent and Yacht and Sailboat Enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Hmm. As someone with a boating license, I might go that direction. I liked the first one you prompted, but now I'm swayed <laughs> towards the second. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, only yachts and sailboats. <laughs> only yachts and sailboats, though. No powerboats, though, so maybe I, maybe I can't track with that. Uh, well, now that I have you on the show, uh, would you like to maybe talk a little bit about your background, maybe to give yourself a little bit of credibility, like... Uh, why should people trust you as a as a PhD in psychology? Well, um, or should they not trust you? Well, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> I think what's funny is that as you get further along in the academic track, you start to trust yourself less, and you start to come into these situations where it's like, well, really, there's no wrong answer, but also hmm. there's no right answer, and things get very very murky, and hmm. then there's very very long email chains where like everyone is mad at each other, but it just keeps going on. So um, my background, I got I I've traveled around the country for education. So I got hmm. I have two bachelor's degrees in one in psychology, one in sociology, hmm. from Loyola University Chicago. 
After undergrad, I got involved with fighting games during my gap between sort of my bachelor's work into my master's. Eventually, I moved to Florida, unfortunately, to finish Ooh, my master's. Uh, it was it wasn't as bad as people assume. But I moved from Florida to from Chicago to Florida to finish my master's and then ultimately within the same program, finish my PhD. So at the end of it, I have um, a bachelor's in psychology, a bachelor's in sociology, a master's in psychology generally, and my PhD is specifically in social psychology. Hmm. So I broadly defined would be what we call a social cognition researcher. And that's to say that I'm interested in sort of the interplay between people and situations and how sometimes the situations that we find ourselves in can influence how we think about ourselves and around the world. So I think that that is, that is a perfect uh, background to get into what I mostly wanted to talk about today. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly how the fighting game community and fighting games intersect with psychology and kind of mental health and, and things of that nature. Uh, so I feel like you're in a very uh, unique position to maybe speak on that. So in, in your experience, is there really – do you see overlap in, in your studies versus what you see in, in either gameplay or community? Is there anything like that? Well, I think a wise man once said that Yomi translates to being within the mind of your opponent. So <laughs> I, um, I I think there's a lot of overlap there. But I mean, some of it is, I think it's not as much of a direct line, although there are some. So mm. you don't end up in a doctoral program unless you're very good at school. Mm. So I was kind of the person that sort of showed up and took the tests and passed and got A's and set the curve and that was cool but when you get to the PhD level the rules kind of change and you're supposed to be a you're a producer of knowledge and not so much a consumer of knowledge anymore Hmm. and with that change comes a lot of rejection I mean if you get one paper accepted in a given year it's a good year generally and Hmm. you may have submitted over a dozen Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. So it's it's an absolute grind. And I think even some of the terminology that I use around my colleagues, I'll get raised eyebrows from, but they understand it when I say it. So I'll say, you know, when you start saying like going back, to, I got to go back to the lab in fighting games, that means I got to go back to training mode. I got to go, you know, work on things. I got to go develop my craft in a way. And that's especially true when you're in a PhD program and you have an actual lab that you're a part of hmm. and you, you got rejected and, or something and you have to go back, work on the study, collect more data and do what have you. But I think one of the reasons I've been able to succeed as an academic is through the grit that I had to develop as a fighting game player. Cause like hmm. I said, you know, I kind of show up and do my things, but Part of that process as an academic requires a lot of rejection. And when you when you play fighting games, especially when you start playing fighting games, you lose a lot. Yeah. And you have to get comfortable with losing and mm-hmm. sort of develop the resilience and sort of the mental skill set to keep rebounding and keep coming back to your local week after week and keep mm-hmm. working on things. And you go you also have to develop the idea that, you know, everything is a process, rewards aren't necessarily immediate. And I think that's actually been one of the uh most helpful things in terms of a crossover between my profession and being a competitor with fighting games is just developing that idea that a loss isn't always final right. as long as you can learn from it. Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to say is that in fighting games and in life in general is that losing and failure is very important. Uh, mm-hmm. People usually look at it negatively and see it as a, as a roadblock, but really it's the, the opening up of opportunity uh, to to learn and do more. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, interesting. Um, yeah. As far as like a from the other side of it, though, uh, do you see any of your psychology background intersect with? Does that help you behind the sticks? <laughs> um. So I predominantly play Guilty Gear, and as people have fallen off and the communities trimmed down and it's also been out for as long as it's been 
people know that I'm a doctor and people know my doctorate is in psychology. Mm-hmm. So they give me way more credit and it just pays <laughs> off. It's like, I made a joke once to somebody like, I can do the same overhead to somebody the fourth time. And eventually they'll just like mind game herself thinking that I'm like, they'll way overthink it. That It's like, oh, like she's conditioning me to like do something here. It's like, no, I just think this overhead looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> the assumption of a galaxy brain uh, when it's really like, I like I like how this looks and I like hitting with it. That's that's actually it. And it's like also it does damage and that's cool. But um <laughs> it's also I think it helps me appreciate the work that other people put in as well. Hmm. I think that um there particularly at a top level, there's a whole field of sports psychology that I think is also very applicable, but yeah. especially at the top level in terms of like I said, you know, being able to grapple with loss, being able to stay focused. I mean, this oh, last yeah. combo, the, if you get to later wave pools, heaven forbid, if they're all being run in one day and you go through like pools to whatever comes after, yeah, stay, the, being able to like stay focused for that long is hard. Yeah, the, the maintaining mental acuity for, for that amount of time or like match after match. Uh, I, I always say this and... And people who haven't seen it don't, I feel like they don't understand it, but I feel like top 64 of any game at Evo is one of the most like electric moments in, in fighting games, or even, I'll even go as far to say esports in general. I'll, I'll say that word because there's, there's like a coliseum of people who form around one monitor Right, and then they play their match, and almost immediately will go to like another table and play another set, and it's like of epic proportion against players who are world class players, uh, and it's like one right after the other happening simultaneously, and it's uh, how, like how do you maintain like mental acuity in in that environment is crazy to me. Anyone making it to top eight in any Evo is they've got some grit let's put it that way my opinion i i have the same feeling and i feel the same way about sort of the top 64 to like top 32 top 16 ish Mm -hmm. period where it's like that's when you have people that there's room for the up-and-comers and and there's room for upsets yeah yeah. and that's that's when it's like you really don't know what's going to happen because like you think about like the top 64 of evo that's like 64 of the best players on the planet yeah you know Anyone can have a good day. Anybody can have a bad day. And like you said, anybody that can get through that phase and maintain that concentration because every match at that level is just like, it's it's draining. Like having made it out of pools and played in later stage brackets, I'll get done with the tournament, get knocked out, and I just fall asleep. <laughs> I'm just all wiped <laughs> out from it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, there there is like a there is a physical burden as well that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. It's like people. I, I don't know how true this is, but I feel like that amount of mental uh, mental work, or at least like that amount of of having to focus and think that hard, and because like the, the physicality of what you're doing, not too much, but I feel like you're burning so many calories up in your head that like by the end of it you're like i just want to eat food and fall asleep <laughs> pass pass the fuck out that's what the uh, all you can eat sushi bar down <laughs> like down the road from combo breaker is for it's like i'm uh, out of the bracket let's go i'm hungry <laughs> <laughs> very well uh, that's that's like i feel like the fgc and going to get food is an entire other conversation uh, oh it's it's an absolute culture and i have very strong opinions <laughs> oh no oh no my one of my fit and don't know if i'm gonna get it i think this won't be the first time i've brought it up on the show but one of my favorites uh is phenom's opinion on ramen which is like it's just spaghetti and boiled water why is this good which is the funniest shit i've ever heard in my life you know I hadn't heard that, and it's breaking my brain because I'm trying to convince myself that he's wrong. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he is, but it's like he's not totally. He's not as wrong as I'd like him to be. <laughs> I know your gut is like, man, fuck off. But also, but also, <laughs> that's a funny yeah, it's, take. It's just like, but uh. <laughs> yeah, it's real good. Um, all right. Anyway, I digress. We're mm-hmm. talking about all right. So, best ramen places, I think, is where we we left off. 
uh, yeah. in the FGC. Uh, no, no, um, no. I guess my <laughs> other question. The then, <laughs> yeah, no. I guess my other question then is there, and I don't know if there's if if you particularly know uh, an answer or have a good answer to this, but is there anything that any one person can do to maybe flex that? that muscle of maintaining like mental sharpness over time or anything that someone can do to prepare, uh, for the stress of, of playing high level fighting games. That's a very big question. I, I know I, that, I know. kind of comes I'm, out of, out of left field. Well, it's a very okay. good question too. Okay. It's like, is there any, like an exercise or anything you can do? I mean, there's a lot of literature, and this has been a, a long question for a long time. Mm -hmm. And like, how can we bolster people's cognitive resources? And I think a big part of it, from my perspective, and this is this is me kind of shooting from my hip here. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Feel free. I, I think, do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I want to like caution. It's like when I'm shooting from my hip, when I'm speaking from research. Okay. I think a big part of it is maybe not so much being able to like expand your capacity but it's probably easier to minimize the drain on your existing resources so i know when i get up on stage if i have to play on stream if i have to play anywhere it's i don't have i haven't really built up the i guess the mindset or the ability to tune the unnecessary information out and there's there is a long history that you know we have a limited amount of sort of attention as a finite resource right. and one thing that i find from extremely strong players is that they're really good at focusing on what they need to they think about sort of okay what is the situation what is the frame data what are my options relative to my opponent's options and they can be playing in front of thousands of people and it feels like, but it's really in their minds, that's all fades to the background noise and it's just them and whoever they're playing with. Hmm. So I think getting comfortable in that kind of position right. and that a lot of that just comes from competing and comes from kind of putting yourself out there. And I've seen that growth in myself. I've seen that in other people, but yeah, I, I can speak more so from anecdote there and less from research, but. Yeah, I believe that there's truth, and I think that that wraps around with what you were talking about earlier. That there is, you can learn from failure, and and some of the best players, and also some of the best performances that we've seen over time, are players who have been like, well, I don't care, I didn't care if I lost, so I ended up doing well. Yeah, because that 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 fear of losing, that fear of loss, wasn't on their mind, so none of the the negative parts that would go along with that follow them into the match so they can focus on or like you said removing any other kind of, of distraction you could pull a pumco and and strip strip naked because his, <laughs> his belt was distracting him uh yeah which, which is like actually what he that, that's his reasoning for that but oh well i, I guess you know whatever whatever floats your boat mate it worked out i mean the, the one thing I think that wraps it all up. And I guess I, I was missing this term until you sort of kind of reframing that and, collect, and collecting it there. It's mindfulness. And like mindfulness is something you can practice being present in the moment. And like when you, like you said, like when you see these players and they talk about, it, they're like, I didn't care if I lost. The only thing that really mattered was like this one round, this one situation, this one match, you know, what was happening before, what was happening after, just they're not attending to it. And so they're, they're more present in the moment. They're more focused and they're able to really put the other stuff aside. Yeah. That's good advice. Mm -hmm. I think so. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty good advice. Also yeah. kind of an aside, I feel like there's, there's a couple players out there who, who take it a step further professional players who, who take that mind mindfulness, uh, as you mm -hmm. said, uh, a step further. I feel like CN does work on that. He like his CN reads are always like he's reading some like bullshit. Uh, I'm not saying you bullshit. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> we just said it. Uh, he's always like reading some, uh, some, some something about mindfulness or being a, a strong competitor over time or like Tokido. You see him, talking about meditation and, and studying that uh, also like his own physicality and making sure that he's, he's well to compete. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think that's, that's very true. And you see it a lot in, in top players. 
another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, and I'm not sure if I'm actually not sure if there are there probably aren't studies on this, but I, I kind of just want your opinion on this. Sure. But in because I feel like the fighting game community is very unique in that the players who are at a top level are extremely popular, but it's like a lot of them don't have any like training in becoming like a, like a pillar of the becoming like a popular figure. Right. So there you, you see like literal kids who have competed and become like they have thousands of followers and people who have thousands of fans and how, like, how would, like, what is that transition like for someone who is like, let, let's say, uh, again, cause these are just like normal people with normal jobs that then become some of the best fighting game players in the world. But like, even so I feel like fighting game player is not like, it's not like Dota, like best Dota player in the world. Right. That's, that's a whole like other, an, another echelon of, like apply like a two times or 10 times the amount of, of people focusing on you. Uh, but I, do you feel like there's any, anything that top players are, or maybe should be mindful of once they, they hit that, that echelon something, or, or something that they're, they might be affected by. I think it's ever like the, the desire to perform because I, I always think about, uh, even I feel like even Daiga was affected by this when people were like Daiga, you need to play Ryu because people think of you as the Ryu, and like he kind of got like stuck in that rut of feeling like he was like letting people down. Where it's really like this really shouldn't affect his game. He should really just play his game and and not really think about what other people think of him. So do you think that ever comes into play within the the fighting game community in particular because it is so small and insular? See, I have a lot of thoughts here. Okay, yeah, I know that's kind of. Yeah. Uh, I just dropped a big payload on. No, no, I think there's it's a, it's a good conversation. I think okay. it's a very rich conversation as well. So, uh, I want to kind of come back to the beginning though on okay. this one because I, I have I have a, a long answer to this. But one of the things that I think has been very interesting. So I started playing fighting games, like I said. Uh, oh God, I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself here, but. I, I started playing fighting games around the release of Street Fighter 4 AE 2012. I finished undergrad, the economy had fallen out, didn't get into grad school right away, and I needed kind of something. So I don't even really remember how it happened, but I ended up on the SRK forums in the Chicago thread. I found out that there was a meetup at Ignite Network and then I got cold feet because I am a very anxious person and didn't go that week, but I went the next week. And I mean, now I'm, I'm here on this podcast. But what I think is interesting about it is that in the span of that time, at the very beginning of it, the community part of it was focused on a physical space. Mm -hmm. And it was focused like this is the place. There is a T.O., and there are top players and it's very local it's very regional it's very grounded in a specific moment at a specific time and what i've seen kind of transition in that time as sort of the esports has come in and sponsorships have become more of a thing is like you said there's sort of a shift to where top players are sort of expected to be to be a brand, sometimes mm -hmm. even more so than a competitor. Yeah. And that I think has fundamentally changed some things because it's not like the community is grounded in a space anymore. Maybe now it's in a Twitch chat and the Twitch chat is grounded around a person. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that fundamentally changes people's relationships with things. So like I said, I was in Florida and you know, I used to play with Brian F. I, I lost every Gatorland to him and the entire time we were in the same city for years. He apparently still talks about it occasionally. But we're talk, talking like Gainesville backdoor fighters. There's a lot of strong players. Yeah, out backdoor there. fighters. Uh, I, was, I, was, well, I was I was I was boondogging my child. I taught that kid to play Gizzy Gear. <laughs> <laughs> I um but this was this was pre-backdoor fighters even. But like, I, I guess the point here is like now I go and I turn on the Twitch front page 
And this guy that I used to play in his apartment, again, like a space, mm-hmm. is now sponsored and going around the world. And he has fans. Like yeah. this, this guy that was an undergrad that I used to lose to at Lands is now like an internationally famous esports athlete. He's got a jersey. <laughs> like, the jerseys are sick. The, the, the jerseys are sick. You can, the Equinox jerseys are are top tier. They're opinion. very good. And I'm happy for him, but like it's it's a very interesting paradigm shift yeah. where things have kind of moved away from sort of that regional grounding to more of like an abstract sense. And mm-hmm. I don't I really don't know how that kind of comes together. I mean, I can speak from my own perspective again kind of shooting from the hip here and that i was very bad at street fighter mm-hmm. when guilty gear came out it sort of clicked and all of a sudden i was getting i was winning money at locals Ooh. and stuff like that which was like a very weird thing for me and what you start realizing is like it changes your self-concept to have to be sort of seen and have people talk about you like even now when i moved up to sort of the mid-atlantic area i live in maryland now I went up to, uh, on the last cycle of Conquest, I went up to compete in Philadelphia. And I had people come up to me and they're like, oh, you're Yase Morgan. And I was like, well, it's pronounced yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, that's, it's a very weird shift that's happened, I think, of just like yeah. being, being seen. And I don't know, it's a lot of pressure. And it's one more thing to even place. We were talking about sort of mindfulness and having, and staying focused and all that. Right. I don't know how you do that when you have a spot, like a sponsor. I guess I have a sponsor of which I, I am, I guess, a co-owner of. But I don't know how you tune that out. Where it's like people, it's not just about me anymore. Like I have fans that are invested in my success and all that. It's just like it's such an interesting shift to see happen. Or even people who, like you said, come up to you and expect you to perform well. To the point where, I, I mean, I've seen people say like, uh, or even let's just say uh, the people that our Street Fighter has sponsored, I've seen them maybe not do as well in in the in a tournament that we sent them to that they expected to. And they feel really like, they feel like a, a burden from that to where I, I've had to step in and say like, hey, listen, it th- this really isn't necessarily about like our sponsorships aren't about you doing well. It's about a community believing in you and then you, you know, doing the best with the opportunity that you're given. Uh, So it's like, I've, I've had to explain that, like or take that mental burden off of people uh, during certain weekends where we've had players sponsored. Cause it's like, that that is a real thing that like our community has thrust onto people to where I'm like, Oh wait, Oh shit. Now this person is like, I've like we've we've raised their profile a bit to the point where this is now something that they're thinking about, something that is like that puts a, a great deal of pressure on them to perform. And I think that there can be anxiety that comes from that. Um, so I, I feel like you're not wrong. And when you say that, yeah, I've, I've done similar things with um, again, like it's, I do the irony and then it becomes real. I um, I've started I occasionally sponsoring people under the banner of Organization 13, which was just too good of a joke to not <laughs> keep going with. Okay. And it it is a, a thing. I always have I be clear. I try to be clear with people when I, I do you know kick some money to them to maybe helps help someone. Particularly, I try to help um, either younger players or LGBT right. players in the anime world get to stuff. And I always say like. I, I have no expectation that you're supposed to like win the tournament or something because I don't want that to be on people. Right. <sighs> uh, because yeah, because it's weird. Because like, I feel like even teams like Equinox don't. That's always like the weird thing with esports, right? Is that from a player's perspective, and I think that I think that people are wising up to this. I think that Brian F is a very good example of of this because he has put himself in a position where he does have that that major following and he gets a lot of airtime in front of people to make him actually uh, uh what's the word uh, uh, make him look good to a sponsor versus like the old mindset of thinking oh we need to sponsor this person because they need to get top eight 
because we need that screen time. We need to have our brand up on uh, Capcom Fighters Top 8 or whatever the fuck uh, because we need that many eyeballs on it when really, like, the market has changed. It's different now, uh, or at least people are thinking about it differently and marketing themselves differently. I think Brian does a very good job of it, g- going back to Brian, but, like, yeah. I think he carried he has carried himself very well and supported his own personal brand well enough and his own uh, cultivated his own following enough to where like that's he has become marketable in that sense instead of having that burden of needing to perform well every weekend, even though he is being sent to events. I'm a I'm a big fan of Brian. I could talk about Brian for quite a while. Like, ah, definitely, sure, sure. definitely, definitely quality quality human being. Uh, well, but, in that sense, well, yeah. before we move on, is there anything? Is there any other avenue you want to explore with that? I think one other avenue that came up specifically, you mentioned Moon Doggy, mm. and um, let's see, where do I want to go with this? What's the best way to bring this up? I think that. You've got there is there there is God a me, shift. Take me there. I, 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 so don't trust me too much. I'm only a doctor. <laughs> the um, what I would say is an interesting dynamic of the fighting game community, apart from other games, is kind of going back again, way back. It, even though there's been this shift and there's this idea of players as brands and the burdens that come along with that and the benefits that come along with that there is still a grounding in physical space that comes along with it. And I think that oftentimes, at least in my own experience, having been, you know, in Maryland, in Florida, now Chicago, or Mm -hmm. the exact opposite, Chicago, Florida, now Maryland. Mm -hmm. I think that top players and TOs end up pulling double duty on a lot of things where it's like, yes, you are good at the video game, but they almost take on a mentorship role in life as well. And that there ends up being a lot of sort of, we talked about sort of stress and mental burden on performance, but also mm-hmm. in managing the community space and mm-hmm. being like, oh, like I, I am the person that is the liaison at the restaurant or the land center that we host our weeklies at. I mean, I've, I've seen my local TOs do really pull through for people that were personally struggling as well which is you know has always floored me one of like my again shooting from the hip anecdote is when it finally came time for me to get up and leave florida and move to maryland i um i was really struggling to get stuff on top of my car uh turns out i had lost far more strength than i realized and the person that at the 11th hour came through and helped me repack my car and get everything together and bought me dinner and while and then listened to me you know cry because i was an absolute mess hmm. leaving for my phd and getting in like starting this uncertain job in this place i'd never been before was moondoggy he was our local to he was the guy who came after work and he helped me pack my car he bought us dinner and he just you know listened to me moan about how freaked out I was to be sitting in my now empty condo that I lived in three for three years. And, you know, that, that doesn't come from him being um, a, a top player. That doesn't come from anything. That just is sort of something he put on himself as sort of um, not even just an organizer, but I think really a figurehead within yeah. that community. Yeah. That's, and I'm sure that's, that's not the only person that's ever done that. For, yeah. That's, that's, that definitely sets a tone for the community and man, Man, what a good guy. What what a what an excellent person. Yeah, it's also I, I can talk a lot about Moondoggy too. <laughs> oh fuck. Oh, uh, good boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean every interaction I've ever had with a guy has been incredibly positive and that, that that's very interesting. I I agree with you. I actually think that because these these physical let's say like grassroots spaces now uh are required to have someone who manages them that it it kind of does put them in a role of uh, mentor of friend of confidant let's say i mean you know, look at where we're at now we're so i should also say for clarity now uh on this show in current 
fighting game news, there is a lot of bullshit happening. That it's Tuesday. It it is. It seems yeah. like every day after Evo has been Tuesday on repeat. Uh, yeah, it's like the worst version of Groundhog Day. Actually, it, it really, it, it is. It is and it isn't, in my opinion, in that it it is the emotional burdens that have been carried and carried out throughout this time are it has been intense uh it has been a moment of of like true emotional burden it is taxing to to deal with and bite into these things especially as like a community manager even Uh, you brought that up it's something (laughs) that like we are presented with on our street fighter every day of like what is what information is like allowable like how to hamper hate speech like how to like take away uh, power from people who are sending out some like really bad faith arguments out there. Uh, but at the same time, it's a moment of, I guess, I guess it's like, it's, it's good that things are being aired. I suppose like there's a part of me that like can see maybe an end of the tunnel where things become better. But right now, while like, while we're in the thick of it, it is, it's heavy, um, which we're not going to get into those particular specifics on this show. Uh, I have another show planned for that one. That's probably coming next week. Uh, but that's, that's just for, for people who are looking for more information on that. We'll, we'll, we'll get around to that. Uh, but uh, again, sorry, I digress. Uh, but no, I, it's a good digression. I um, I should actually apologize. I think I was a little bit callous there, but I mean, especially today has been it has been not great for me in the Twitter world. I actually just like put my phone away and just couldn't look at it anymore because yeah. it's um, it's it's not great to be a woman around fighting games. It's not great to be, um, particularly, um, I'm coming off of a cold, but I mean, people that follow me on Twitter probably know, like I am trans. I have transitioned like, while being part of the fighting game community. And you know, there's also a lot that goes along with that, both in terms of kind of even tying it together um, in terms of visibility and pressure and managing mental health. But also, I mean, between people like, I mean, obviously Moondoggy, everybody in Yace, I've, I've met a lot of really wonderful people that have been really great assets in helping to keep me grounded and supporting me through that process. So, yeah, I think... I I apologize for the calluses there. I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm just trying to, I'm kind of distanced at the moment because I feel like I have to be to oh, just yeah. be able to do this. No, I, I'm not. Listen, I'm not going to blame you for mm-hmm. that at all. I think it yeah. is completely valid and actually a good idea to be like, yo, fuck all this, I'm out, and just like kind of drop it all. I think that is like maybe some of the best responses to, uh, like best like mentally emotionally like responses to a lot of what's been going on because being around social media is like or can be extremely mentally tat like there's a whole lot of of messiness that comes with being engaged with it uh which for me on my end being part of like doing community management I kind of have to be there but also like there's that part of me that's like hey fuck all of this noise because this is trash uh but you bring up a good point that I think uh I kind of want to delve into a little bit more mm-hmm. is that when someone when you do uh interact with social media or uh you have thousands of followers on on twitch and you're you're like talking to these people through uh, through the chat, right? I've seen a lot of people actually say, even though I'm interacting with all these people, even though it seems like we're all very connected and through through multiple social media networks, that they actually feel very lonely. Uh, is is there like some kind of of reason for that? Some kind of science behind that? Uh, there, there's a lot actually that's gonna be the answer to like every question is there's a lot and usually <laughs> it, but this is one of the situations where there actually is okay. a pretty clear-cut answer so social support is something that we talk about a lot in social psychology and psychology in general and its connection to mental health hmm. and usually it gets broken down into a couple of different camps and I think what works here is going to be the difference what is the difference between sort of perceived 
and I guess um, measurable or objective support. So I really like your example of a Twitch streamer. I, think mm -hmm. I stream on Twitch occasionally, and I, I maybe on a good day get 20 to 30 viewers, and a lot of them I know. That's very different than, say, someone who's streaming to several hundred and maybe you don't necessarily know those people. So mm -hmm. you can look in that situation and you can say, well, you've got an objective number, air quotes, objective number of you had so many viewers, you have so many social media impressions, which goes back to our previous discussion about being a brand. Like you right. want to chase impressions and viewers and all this, but are those really converting into like real substantive support networks for these people uh, a while back uh, however many years ago it was when um chester from lincoln park took his own life i remember james chen specifically talking about this where he was saying like you know you can be in this room of a thousand thousands of people but still feel so lonely because like are you really making those connections mm. so that's i think what it really comes to as as far as that is concerned you know where are you getting sort of the impressions and the social media stuff but how are you getting sort of that real that real support you know moondoggy showing up and helping me move that's real support um the people that have been like i said like everyone in yes and whatnot that have been like have seen me at like very low points in my transition and helped me move along and recover from those those are people that I've met through fighting games, but are also like very much more than that to me. And if I was, you know, broadcasting or streaming to a thousand people or so, but not getting that kind of connection as well, I think I would feel lonely as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. It's one of those things where it's like you see someone reach out on, on Twitter or other social media of saying that, Hey, like I'm hurting, I'm in a bad space. And you might see, hundreds of people reply like hey hope you're okay but like does that is that like amount to any tangible support where i'm like i don't necessarily know if it does where where they're the more personalized like hey like getting actual contact with someone like face-to-face -face interaction with hey i'm here for you i love you i hope you're okay is like in many ways way stronger a response than than even thousands of people are saying, hey, we love you and we wish you were okay. Maybe, maybe that's just my opinion. I don't know. I don't I don't think there I, I don't think you're wrong, but I, I also think that I mean there's gray area. I mean sure. it's it's cool to have a thousand of people. Like that there is like a metric there. Those impressions do count for something. But I think it's a situation of you kind of the both and and not necessarily the either or where if you are in that position where you're trying to get, you're trying to be esports, as it were, you're trying to get the impressions, get the sponsorships, be a brand, mm -hmm. you got to make sure you're also taking care of yourself as a person first. Mm -hmm. And you, you have those important connections and those groundings because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the consoles get put away at the end of the tournament, you know, the stream ends at the end of the night. And making sure that, you know, I guess you're taking care of yourself as a person. And I think that's a very just important thing to always keep in mind. Or really anyone that's sort of in this wild world of social media is keeping in mind of like, is this really meeting my real needs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that this uh, transitions well into a, at least a jumping off point uh, for another conversation, which is you brought up earlier Chester from Lincoln Park and, and when he had committed suicide, and, uh, the reactions around that and the feeling of loneliness. Um, and this is something that when it happened, I wanted to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it at the time because it didn't feel, wouldn't feel prudent. Didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable speaking on it. Uh, but back on June 19th, uh, Etika, who is, more known in the Nintendo community, more known for Smash, uh, just kind of a a personality, had took his own life, and there was a gamut of reactions across uh, across the internet. Thousands, maybe even millions of people were affected by 
by his death. And I think it left a, a pretty large impact on how people view social media or how they view like, because leading up to that moment, it did seem as though he was reaching out and saying, Hey, I'm not okay. And it, it was almost as if people's responses to that. I mean, there were some people were like, fuck you. I'm glad you're not okay. Which is kind of like another horrendous part of when you get to that level of, of stature of popularity where there are, there are those negative voices in your lives. Um, I fuck man. Like even this show, like we get negative voices and we get tons of negative voices on our street fighter all the time. And those are the ones that really like stick in your craw of like, even if the, the support, the amount of support you get is overwhelmingly positive And you only think about the, the small fraction of the people who are like, yeah, but fuck you, man is, I don't know. There's something to me that is like extremely mentally damaging about that and hard to not think about. Uh, but I did kind of want to give a space to uh, to anyone who that whose uh, Etika's passing did affect that <sighs> suicide is a hard topic to talk about, uh, and getting to that point is, uh, at least in my opinion, extremely tragic. Uh, I actually come from a perspective where, uh, and I actually don't know if I've shared this on the show before. Uh, so I'll share it with you now, but currently in in my life, uh, the men in my family of this current generation have only died through suicide, uh, which is the, the three people, uh, which is a, oh, it is a lot to live through once and see its effect on people, uh, but it's a it's a fucking lot to see it three times and and to see it's the the impact that something as devastating as that can have on the people who who love you and are in your life. Uh, so I kind of want to give a, a little bit of open space in this uh, and kind of pass it off to you to talk about maybe what are things that people can do to maybe seek help in times of you know if they think that this is all too much. Maybe they've experienced some kind of trauma or, or maybe they've experienced trauma within the FGC. That's something that is, is very prescient in our times. There's, there's a lot of, of bad things that people have experienced. And, and I, I don't want people to feel alone in thinking that, you know, maybe you do have thoughts of suicide. Maybe there's, there's a better answer to that, that, that I personally, because that's the thing. I don't know if I feel personally comfortable even sharing uh, like my thoughts and opinions on what someone quote unquote should do because that's in, in some ways I feel like that might take away from someone's own personal story and, and I don't want to ever uh, be dismissive of someone else's pain to say that, but, but there are, you know, it, does that make sense? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, might be, I might be like rambling on, on that topic, but you're, I think it's a topic to ramble on and I'm, I'm sorry that you've gone through that. No, I, no, it, I, no I'm not asking for, for me. Like that's the other thing is that I, I, I didn't bring this up to, for me to personally talk about like my, my history. I mean, we can, if we want to talk about that or get into that, or if anyone actually uh, would be interested in that and me talking about that experience, maybe I can set aside another time to, to, to put together some, some words and thoughts on that. But, uh, but I do feel like that it's something that comes up in the community. Uh, it's, we see it sometimes where people have suicide. I mean, we see it on our street fighter occasionally where, how do we deal with people who have expressed that they have suicidal tendencies or suicidal thoughts? It's, it's hard. I think this is like a very, it's a very heavy subject, but it also, again, I think every, everything we've kind of brushed on has been really, um, in some unfortunate ways interrelated, you know, in the sense, kind of like you were saying, you know, you're sort of a computer, a community leader in the space mm -hmm. and you're likely not trained as a mental health professional. Like what, exactly. what do you, what do you tell someone? Right. Um, I, this is a subject that I, I struggle with a lot, both professionally and personally. Hmm. 
because I, I've also lost friends to suicide. Um, I, I personally have, um, I keep a, a, a blog that I update throughout my transition. And recently I, I shared some of my own struggles with depression and suicidality there as well. So it's, it's a very complicated piece. I've, I'm not a therapist. I've known therapists. I was engaged to a therapist at one point, and the people that do that kind of work are, are superhuman, that can sit with people and can do that. Mm-hmm. So, I think as far as this subject goes, I can really only speak anecdotally and kind of stuff that I do and stuff that I have encouraged people to do in terms of their own mental health, not necessarily just suicidality, but depression, anxiety, all the things that go along with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the first thing that, and I think you very intuitively brushed on is that um, people are the experts on their own experience and no one is ever going to know more about your experience than you. So if you feel like you are not okay, if things are not sitting well with you, it is not weakness to tune out. It is not a fault of yours in any way. Coming back to social media, one thing that I've started to realize is that you know you can only stare into the into the the bird site for so long, particularly on days like today. Before it gets, I've never heard someone call it that before. The birds, the bird site, yeah. <laughs> like you never hear it, but you intuitively know exactly what I just said. When you look into the bird site, and it's like, and you look into the bird of hell, and it stares back at you. And one thing that I've started doing, I'm, so, and, I'm sorry for laughing. That's that's I, just your foot. You're, you're, to- you're fine. <laughs> I log off. You, know, you can deactivate your account. And as long as you log back in within 30 days, everything mm-hmm. stays there, all your followers, all your tweets, etc. So periodically, if I notice like this is draining on me, even today, I was like, I'm just going to deactivate. I'm going to put my phone away mm-hmm. and pull back into those more focused like pillars of support that we, we've talked about, Get looking, leaning more into that, that real support and kind of trying to tune out some of that noise. Another thing that I have become very invested in and a very big advocate of is getting involved in therapy. I mean, I I recognize that I have things that I'm not super happy with about myself and I try to be proactive about those. So I I gave you, I sent you a link beforehand. It'll probably be in the show notes, but for um, psychology today, if you go to like psychologytoday.com slash us slash therapists, you can search there and you can look at different subject matters, who takes what insurance, look at your geographic area. And I was for a very long time, very resistant to the idea of getting involved in therapy. And since then I've become much more proactive about managing my mental health. And so Every other week, I set an hour aside to sit down with my therapist and just to unpack and have a space where I can talk to somebody that doesn't have another role with me. It's not a member of my family. It's not a friend. It's someone who can really be objective with me and can say, hey, you're really in your head right now. You're being kind of whack. Or like the things that you're, if I'm laying out maybe something that had been really upsetting for me in the last two weeks since the last time I spoke with her, so like, yeah, you know, like I see how you came to this conclusion, but maybe here's a different perspective on something. So that's been extraordinarily helpful for me. I really encourage really anyone to be just proactive about these things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you less of a person or a broken person to take your mental health seriously. Yeah. No, I actually think that I, yeah. something that I've come to and advice that I feel like is is good to give people in that position is that seeking help is actually people don't realize how hard it is to admit that you need help and that it can be a sign of strength to say that I actually need assistance right now and, and reaching out to, you know, whatever avenues are available to you. And again, those that will be, and that link will be in the show notes if, if that Mm -hmm. is something that you need to go after. Um, but other than that, um, is there anything is there anything else that you wanted to, to speak on or any other advice that you might want to give to to that space? I, I think I just want to doubly stress that 
know, people are the experts on their own experiences. Yeah. There's a lot of struggles that go on. And, you know, I don't think that necessarily it's a bad thing to do something like, you know, saying, oh, you know, if you're feeling suicidal, please seek help. As someone who has been suicidal and has been told that, I know that when you kind of get to that place, it maybe doesn't feel real. You yeah. know, th things don't necessarily feel like I, it's one of those moments, like when I get to those particularly rough spots, I, I recognize that my big doctor brain is telling me that the way that I am perceiving things is excessively critical or not necessarily rational. But then in my not doctor heart, that doesn't feel real. And those can be at odds and it's a really hard space to sit with. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. It's weird where you can like think of all of the platitudes or, or things that you would, that would be helpful, but are, there seems to be like some distance between them, at least when you yeah. get into those spaces or when I feel like I've been in those spaces. Um, but, uh, no, uh, I'm in full agreement yeah. and, uh, thank you for, for providing your, your professional opinion on that. Yeah. And, or at I'm, least you're shooting from the hip. hip yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm a social psychologist, so I, I'm not a clinician yeah. or anything. Not a therapist. Yeah. 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 So like, yeah, full disclosure on, yeah. on, on all of that. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I do think that you provided a, a really good outlook, uh, that we wouldn't have otherwise not gotten. And especially a voice that is not often heard on, well, certainly not on this show. Uh, and probably not a lot in fighting game community spaces, but uh, I, I mercifully, think, <laughs> it's just, especially like the thing that you said that really hit home with me is that a lot of TOs fill that, that role of being someone's like grounding rod, you know, mm -hmm. it's like they have to be that now because they simply because they manage a space and it's, and it's, it's very strange to, to think of how things have changed over time, but still have that, you know, it, it's good to have a person in your life who can, who can be there for you. And I just want people to know that. And hopefully that you have someone in your life that you can go to, or if you don't, there's online communities for that. That's kind of what, what we, we run, Granted, it is online and there's, I don't want to necessarily diminish the effectiveness of that, but it, it isn't as powerful as, as you say, as someone just being right there with you, FaceTime with someone, but. I don't know. I think internet people are real people. I think what matters yeah, more I, so yeah. in that situation is the kind of connection you have because okay. oh, I was going to go, I'm going to go back to this, but you know. Of the people in the ace, the what nine of us, ten of us that are that are around, we're all in different states, we're all in different places. But you know, I can pick up the phone, I can call someone, and I know that person is genuinely my friend, right. and is has my best interests in mind, and that means everything. But um, one thing that I, I think, kind of, it seems like we're wrapping up here, but as a, I, I guess like a, a bookend is just the idea that fighting games are stressful and fighting games are great and yeah. like there's this idea that i kept seeing today of like you know can we just play games and i don't think anyone really just plays games in this space because oh, yeah, i think so, it's bullshit honestly. oh it's, it's absolutely bullshit it's absolute <laughs> horseshit like that it's but there's so much about connection and people and mental health i mean it's more so than any other game with fighting games, I don't go on my computer and like log into Apex or Fortnite or whatever. There's a real actual person there and maybe we're gonna, that I'm playing with and maybe we're gonna get dinner after casuals are over. And I mean, when I sat down, like I said, I was engaged at one point, my bridal party was going to pretty much be people I had met through fighting games. So I think it's these ideas of a connection and mental health and fighting games and community and space are just all very complimentary conversations. And I really appreciate having the space to come in and talk about them for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's truth in that. Uh, so I didn't want to diminish anyone's oh, sure. online. And again, like, cause also I run an online space. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's one of those, the, that balance, but you're right. There is an yeah. important extra factor of knowing that, even if you reach out at really any time that someone can be there for you, uh, regardless of whatever space you find them in. Uh, and you're right. We are, uh, sunsetting this episode We're we're just about to wrap up, but I cannot let you go. I'm sorry. I can't, I have to ask you two questions. Oh, no. All right. 
two very important questions that I ask everybody before the end of every show, the first time they're on the show. It's two-parter. Uh, the first part is, and I feel like I, the way that people answer this question can can tell a lot. Of, this is like your um, uh, your ink blot test, right? This is your this is the oh, Rorschach. The Rorschach? Test. This is my Rorschach <laughs> test of of RSF radio, and it is what is your favorite normal attack in any fighting game? You know, I thought about this ever since you sent me these questions, and I yeah. still don't have an answer. And um, just, I guess, in the theme of this being a Street Fighter podcast, I'm going to say... Wow, okay. Street Fighter for um, Blanca, Down Forward, Fierce Punch, Amazon River Run. Yeah, the Amazon River Run. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyone that knows me from Chicago should know that answer already. Okay, why Why exactly is the is the River Run your, your go-to? It makes people feel bad about themselves. <laughs> Says the psychologist. <laughs> I mean, I've been hit by it and I feel bad. It's like, uh, why you're not wrong. Listen, you're not wrong. You are 100% not wrong on that one. That is... <laughs> oh, how fitting. How fitting. That's yeah. a, you know what? Good answer. Uh, all right, then. Part two of the question is what is your favorite combo in any fighting game? Um, you don't have to answer Street Fighter. I know you might have been guilted into answer Street Fighter the first time, but I'm giving no, you the, full, the, full... the answer is a Street Fighter answer. Oh, okay. um, my favorite combo isn't a combo. It's a combo that leads into another combo, but the combo is still a combo. Um, I'm a big fan of anything that goes... Like, usually anything into... Um, Street Fighter 3 reused Dungeon Hadoken, where if you don't full oh. parry it, you get the setups where if they don't know how to parry, they get stunned. And right. usually that just means they die. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm going to count dungeon, that as a combo. <laughs> the Dungeon Ryu. Okay. No, that's a good answer. What's yeah. like your 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 setups there? What do you what do you go to? What do you, what do you um, favor? I was mashing DP really hard, and I auto-canceled into super, and I tell my <laughs> opponent I'm nice. <laughs> Oh, well, it has been a pleasure having you yeah, on. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, that's a good answer. Not good on you. That's funny. I appreciate that answer. So, again, though, I am serious, though, uh, Morgan. Thank you for taking the time out to uh, shed a little light on, on this topic and certainly be informative to me, at least, on kind of the psychology behind, you know, how the FGC interacts with the... Uh, someone in your profession or, you know, ideas that you grapple with, uh, in the day to day. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been fun. Thank you for having me. Before we go though, yes. uh, let people know again where they can find you on the internet. All right. Um, if you're not sick of me yet, you can find me on Twitter, uh, the bird site, I guess. Is, uh, <laughs> the at, dark um, bird hole. The, the dark bird hole. Also known as Birdhouse. Uh, <laughs> on um, twitter.com slash fog underscore E. Uh, my Twitch is the same. If I mostly just stream Guilty Gear. So if you want to come to the anime side, that, that's cool. Um, you can check out the lifestyle brand of Yace at yace.world. And um, that's about it. Yeah. All it's right. been fun. No, it is. Again, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for taking the time. Actually, one last thing before you go. Yes. New Guilty Gear. How do you I cried. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I was um I was up at my friend's house. It was actually my birthday weekend. Oh shit. So like I was my birthday's August fifth. So that Monday, I'm watching Evo Finals. I went to Philadelphia for a party at my friend's house. And we were I throughout the day we're like, because after what was it after um bb tag they come up and it's like oh arts is gonna have an announcement at some point later on today yep. so we're all guilty gear players we're talking about it and they planted like, the seed i felt like <laughs> when that trailer came in and the guy like whatever the announcer had the heaven or hell polo on dice gate comes out and you're like there's no way this is a new guilty gear and then that intro plays and as soon as you see thunder seal and junkyard dog and then soul and kai show up i audibly yelled and started crying <laughs> <laughs> No, that I I did yeah. not see that announcement coming. That oh, was, I don't think anybody did. I, I think I made a bet on this show that I would eat a hat if new Guilty Gear is out. So I think I need I need to find an edible hat. It's, <laughs> Honestly, that it's shit looks there. beautiful. Holy Why shit. did they make Kai so hot? I don't get it. <laughs> How can he be so hot? 
How can they do this? <laughs> oh, he's a cop, though, so look out. Uh, anyway, uh, again, thank you. Uh, now is the time. Again, thank you for your time on the show. Uh, anyone out there, you can find me at SuperJoeMonday on Twitter.com or at RedditSF, uh, or just find me Joe underscore Monday on RSF, or Street Fighter. Uh, or just make any post, uh, let, let us know how you're doing. By the way, uh, another thing, uh, we're going to put that Women of the FGC episode up probably next week, depending on, I, I'm still like trying to juggle how many responses we got that I need to have people record and a whole mess of things of editing, so I'm hoping to get that out next week, uh, so look forward to that one. Uh, or if you have any questions, please email in at rsfradioquestions at gmail.com. That's the show, folks. Uh, thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of RSF Radio. But until then, take care, folks. <laughs>